Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. everyone and welcome back to bloody angola a podcast 142 years in the making the complete story of america's bloodiest prison and i'm jim chapman and i'm woody overton and i forgot my paper let me grab it <laughs> i gotta write the boom oh so my patreon episode i don't think i had any booms the whole thing not that it matters but i don't think i had any because it's we didn't have 
Or we rolling on edit. I had a, a, just a couple of delays while I was scrolling through shit, but it's not nothing long. Yeah, no big deal. I like. I mean, I told to the people. I said, "Hold on one second. I got to look at this." All right. <clears throat> All right. We are at Burl Kane's third episode, Woody Everton. What you yeah. think about that? Love. It's this is pure love. It's been a great series. Thank y'all for your response. Um, you know, it's just a really special story, and we're not the only one, Jim. That that. But think this about Burl Kane. Right. Okay. I want to play a little clip, if you don't mind, real quick. That uh, it just, I found this, it popped up in the crew page this morning. And, and, Absolutely. And, and it's just by a guy, evidently, it's a TV special or something that's coming on. And um, it's talks about specifically about what Burl does. Known as the most violent of all American prisons and the largest state prison. Christian Warden cleaned it up. No cursing, decent behavior, respect for guards and respect for prisoners, and it became the least violent from the most violent. Most of the prisoners have a degree in theology. And you know why you don't know about this? Because the press is not interested in your knowing that a Christian, using religious principles, cleaned up a prison. That's the reason you don't know about this. So y'all, so that's Fireside Chat that's going to be coming on. Uh, they have a full episode, whatever, and um, I really don't know who this guy is or anything. I just called it. But it's but he speaks it's ev- the truth. everything that we've talked about. It. And you talked about the no cursing and and how he tried to redo the culture and everything else. That's so. right, and and did so many great things there. And we left off last week with a, a neat little story about Barbara Walters' yeah, page. Cool. Yeah. Uh, one of his favorite people he ever had visit that would be considered a celebrity. But he also said uh, in an interview that he did, he was asked, what is your kind of like one of your legacy things that you did at Angola relative to the structures that you built? And he mentioned what some of y'all may not be familiar with, which is the Alamo Church, yep. they call it. Yep. Uh, you may be surprised that uh, it resembles. It is a actually a perfect replica of the Alamo, yeah, the real Alamo. Now, if you go to Alamo, San Antonio, now it's just it's like one wall and and a little bit of stuff. It's just a tourist trap. The, but it's the real Alamo, which was a work in mission yeah. back in the day. That's right. And and the amazing thing and what he's most proud of about that church is it cost taxpayers absolutely nothing. Right. And the speed in which he built it, 50 volunteer inmates worked around the clock. They worked in 12-hour shifts to construct that 6,000-square-foot chapel from top to bottom in about 38 days. 38 days. It's amazing. Yeah. uh, The Our Lady of Guadalupe Chapel is uh, what it's officially known as, although they call it the Alamo Church. It's still framed. It has a stucco front facade. Right. And it is a, as we said, a replica of the San Antonio tourist attraction, which right. is the Alamo. Uh, the church includes seating for more than 200. It features painting, furniture, and stained glass windows that are all crafted by, you guessed it, inmates. Right? Inmates. Uh, and it was amazing. The entire building, as I mentioned, was at no cost to taxpayers, more than $450,000 Donated by Latin American businessmen Jorge Valdez yep. and Fer- Fernando Garcia. Yep. And we actually talked about that in another episode briefly. Yep. Um, and yep. that's awesome. 
uh, the inmates. They they uh, they constructed the entire building. They laid the brick, everything, the wiring, all of that done by inmates. And it was built on the prison's main camp. And actually, the 14th chapel built. Right. Yeah. Isn't that uh, amazing? The, uh, 14. My mom, excluding Angola, part of Angola, my mom always said, Two things in South Louisiana, you never have to go far to find this a church and a bar room. Well, <laughs> there's no bar rooms at Angola, but there's a whole heck of a lot of chapels or churches. Yeah, that's a great point, actually, yeah. and, and very true. But one of his uh, his most proud structures ever built in Angola, uh, and we're going to put a picture of it on the Facebook page. So don't forget to follow that Bloody Angola podcast on Facebook. Right. Uh, and we'll put a picture of that building. You can actually tour that building. Angola does tours, uh, and you can tour and actually see that building in person as, yeah. if you're local. And so, y'all, you know, if you're wondering, like, because uh, convicts built the Rodeo, I mean, Rodeo Arena, which we'll talk about, and they built this church. And, you know, they, they he had them do so much more projects. Well, you might wonder about the security and, and how many people escaped yeah. during Burl's time. Well, it was a big problem before right, he got there. Right. The, the biggest in the, in the United States of America, even though it's landlocked and in Mississippi River lock. But um, one of the not so surprising statistics about Angola during uh, Warden Kane's time was that he dramatic and uh, the the dramatic reduction in escape attempts and escapes. So y'all, we're going to read you some articles, and these are from the uh, Morning Advocate. And the first one is dated January twenty fifth, nineteen ninety nine, Angola, Louisiana. Roadblocks went up, and a chase team equipped with thermal detectors and night vision goggles began a search for four convicted killers who bolted from Louisiana prison. But it was the sharp eyes of 15-year-old Matt Tibbet who foiled the inmates' plans after spotting two of the men's Sunday wild deer hunting alone. The ill-fated escape, which left one inmate dead and the other three in custody, began at 2 p.m., when the men, armed with two smuggled guns, took a prison maintenance worker hostage and left the prison grounds in a truck. The inmates made it through a gate at the 18,000-acre Louisiana State Penitentiary to a water tower where they ditched the truck and tied up the maintenance supervisor with duct tape, Warden Burl Kane said. The foursome then fled on foot. It took only minutes for the hostage to free himself and alert the nearest guard post. By then, the inmates had about a half hour head start, Kane said. Law enforcement from surrounding areas immediately set up roadblocks. The prison's chase team, armed with night vision goggles, thermal detectors, and a pack of dogs, launched a recovery effort for the four men, each serving a life sentence for murder. Others monitored the Mississippi River, which borders the prison grounds to the east, while three helicopters searched from above. About this time, 15-year-old Tibbet was deer hunting on his family's property and noticed two men sitting on the ground about 50 yards away. Not knowing about the prison break, he kept walking. A short while later, his brother-in-law, who had heard of the escape, met up with the team. The pair alerted law enforcement officials, and soon bloodhounds were on the trail of inmates Roy McFall and Jerry Davis. Davis later said when McFall saw the dogs, he turned him and said, I'm not going back to prison. They're about to catch us, according to Kane. <laughs> McFall, 40, then shot himself in the head and later died at the hospital. He had been serving a life sentence for first-degree murder in the June 1983 stabbing of a Texas woman. Davis, 39, was taken into custody without incident. 
The chase team then found and began following the second set of tracks. Donald Woolley, 35, and Daryl Creter, 37, were found at 7 p.m., about 200 yards from where McFall and Davis had been huddling in the brush near the Tunica Bayou. The inmates surrendered without incident. Kane said prison officials would review the escape to find any breakdowns in prison policy. 20 walk-through metal detectors have already been ordered, which should prevent guns from being smuggled inside, he said. We're going to have to really investigate and find out how that happened, Kane said. We can't afford for that to happen, not at this prison. <laughs> right? That's great cr- stuff. That and, is a crazy story. And, and, and he's legit on that, y'all. The, uh, it's, it is a crazy story. Story and I guarantee after they heard that one gunshot, that one guy saw the other guy blow his own head off. He's like, mm, "Okay, I quit." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not fun anymore. Right. So uh, I'm gonna give you another one here, and this was on September 22nd of 2013. Two inmates escaped from Angola, captured hours later. Two inmates escaped from Angola prison, and they are back in custody following a multi-agency response. Melvin Johnson convicted on a rape from New Orleans, and Aaron Francois convicted of a murder charge from Lafayette escaped from prison during the early morning hours on Sunday. Johnson and Francois escaped from the exercise yard after they broke through the bottom of a fencing area. They utilized work gloves and a blue jean jacket to get through the uh, razor wire located on the second fence. The Louisiana State Police and West Feliciana Parish Sheriff's Office assisted with the search and confirmed the two men were taken back in custody shortly before 1130 that day. Both men were in possession of a large quantity of pepper and roughly 30 bags of peanuts. They used the pepper in an attempt to stop dogs from being able to track their scent. As for the peanuts, that's what they planned to eat. The inmates were then reported as running over an inner ring levee adjacent to the camp. The Angola's chase team, including the canine team, boat crew, and thermal imagery teams, yeah. bet y'all didn't know there, there were that best, many teams, best in the world. reported immediately and surrounded the wooded area where the inmates were last seen. Burl Kane, Warden Burl Kane said the inmates surrendered upon the orders of the staff and no deadly force was employed during the apprehension. Both men are currently located at the prison medical center for evaluation and treatment. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, so slow. Pepper and peanuts. Man. Well, and and that's a misnomer, right? but they people always try to do that with the pepper, but the peanuts part definitely unique, right? And it's from January 30th, 2004, and this one's a little bit different. Um, FBI agents have arrested a Compton, California man accused of escaping from Louisiana State Penitentiary guards during a hospital visit more than 25 years ago. Holy cow. 57-year-old Frank Millsap is scheduled today to appear before a judge in California to say if he will voluntarily return to Louisiana to finish a 40-year armed robbery sentence. If he refuses, Louisiana fugitive hunter Colonel Eric Silva Silva says the state will begin formal extradition proceedings. Silva says that the process usually takes about 30 days. Burl Kane, warden at Louisiana's maximum security state prison in Angola, says that they want Millsap back. He (laughs) says he wants inmates to know that if they run away, the state won't stop looking for them. Millsap was convicted of armed robbery in connection with the December 1971 holdup of the Baton Rouge Loan Company. He tried to escape a short time after he was taken into custody following that robbery, but a deputy thwarted the attempt. 
In August 1973, he escaped from a guard while he was with four other inmates undergoing treatment at Earl K. Long Hospital in Baton Rouge, which is no longer there. But he was recaptured but escaped again <laughs> on June 22, 1978, by overpowering two guards on the ward for prisoners at the same hospital. Silvilla says not all of Millsap's 25 years away from Louisiana was spent in freedom. He served at least 13 years in prison for murder. How about that? Right? That's crazy. That was before APHIS and all y'all when they could run and and know they had warrants. He was convicted and jailed under the name Joe Forrest. Um, Civil says his department was working with the FBI recently developed information and found fingerprints that showed Forrest was in fact South. That is an amazing that story. Is crazy. I, I never knew about that. Absolutely crazy and a, a really hard one for me to find and dig up. But I'll tell you, um, the you know the the thing that blows my mind about that is this dude escaped. And look, we get messages from y'all all the time, and I was so glad I came across this because you'll ask, has anyone ever actually successfully escaped Angola and not been recaptured? Well, uh, there there have been a few, and and uh, we'll give you those at some point. But here's one that got away for 25 years. 25 years. Actually got imprisoned at for, another prison. For another murder. For another right. murder. Yeah. Hey, Under, you, a, of course, an alias. But, again, that was so early as for APHIS or whatever the acronym stands for or something to do with the National Fingerprint Database. When you get booked in, they run it. If you give them a fake name, your fingerprints are coming back on that. Back then, they would still roll their fingerprints. They had it on cars. They just followed them away. Yeah. In the national database. Yeah, there was no computer to really, yeah. uh, you know, like what he says, put that through a database. But the amazing thing is, had that guy just basically said, I'm going clean. Right. I've escaped yeah, from prison. Right. He probably never would have got, got caught. Right. In Compton, California? Compton, California. Yeah. Yeah. You know what that's famous for? Easy yeah. and NWA yeah, and all right. that. That's right. How that, about that for original for our fifty year old crowd? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so, uh, so that was some escapes for you, and and now we're gonna tell you an, another story. Me and Woody uh, know very well. Yes. We actually told this story on our live, but Warden Kane was asked what his darkest hour at Angola was. And without hesitation, he said uh, his darkest moment was a hostage situation involving three correctional officers that actually resulted in the murder of Captain David Knapps. Right, right. Uh, we know this one well, Woody. Right, and and we did cover it in detail in our live shows. Um, it's a horrible, horrible story. And uh, now the training academy is named for um, Captain Knapps. But and we won't go into all the details of it because we'll do it again when we take the lives on the road because it's it's that powerful story. But we we were fortunate enough to have the entire case file. Yeah, and, and I mean the and, real case the, file, the, the real deal. But um, the hostages y'all were Captain David Knapps, uh, Lieutenant Douglas Douglas Cheney, and Sergeant Radia Walker. And they were taken hostage by inmates Jeffrey Clark, David Mathis, Barry Edge, Joel Durham, David Brown, and Robert Carley. And Captain Knapps, y'all, during the, the, that hostage situation slash uh, escape attempt, he was bludgeoned to death with a mallet, y'all, with a paint mallet. Jim can tell you about that. But we did this story in our first uh, 
bloody and go alive. And we're going to take that story on the road because it's too important. Um, It's just, there's so much to it. Yeah, there really is. I get why it was his worst day. Yeah. And we, we, you know, there's, that would take hours to get into what exactly happened, but the gist of it was, uh, these inmates took over Camp D, uh, the edu- what they call the education building right. in Camp D, and uh, it wreaked a lot of havoc. Uh, you know, they had it planned out pretty good, and they ended up with these three hostages. Uh, at the end of the day, Burl Kane, being Burl Kane, went in there. There's a whole story we're not going to tell you yet on that, but uh, he ended up getting control of that situation that, that control. I guess would be the yeah. best way to put that yeah, absolutely yeah. and and two of those men to this day are on death row right as they should be as they should be yeah. so that was his darkest hour no surprise there now a lot of people want us to do an episode and we will on the angola rodeo probably has to be a series at least yeah. two part because that is the thing angola is most famous for besides being the bloodiest at one time being the bloodiest, the bloodiest prison in America, uh, Angola, the rodeo is just a massive event. It's it's huge, and it, and you know, obviously, we record this out of Louisiana, and uh, when it's when it's the third weekend in April or or getting close to October, yeah. that's what everybody's talking about. Yeah, because it's every weekend in October, yeah, and one weekend in April, yeah, and. Uh, you know, the rodeo existed before Burl Kane was warden, but it totally changed when Warden Kane got there. And what I mean is it became what we call in the business profitable. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very profitable. Huge money. Uh he really transformed it. It became a self sustaining event. Before that, they would actually have, you know, losses uh, on right. the books. Um, one of the things with the rodeo that I can tell you right off the bat that, and I've been a couple of times that I really enjoyed were the arts and crafts side of that. And we talked about Clifford Etienne, the black rhino. He's a master painter. Um, and he paints and, uh, and sells his to the public, uh, during that. But, uh, all the convicts that, you know, they've, they've, build the stuff all year long and they sell it and the money they get to keep well, most of them send it to the families to help with shoes or whatever it may be. That's right. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's a huge financial windfall for the state. Uh, there are advertisers now there are, uh, you know, contracts for cattle, right. um, the inmates, almost fight to have the opportunity yeah. to be in this thing. And they actually give incentive to yeah. the inmates and right. that, and that is cash incentive. Look, what incentive right. incentivizes right. people to jump in there with a bull, probably money. Right. Um, and so $500 in some cases to the winners of the rodeo, they have certain events y'all. I mean, you make it five cents an hour and you yeah, make it up oh, yeah. for the rest of your life. And $500 is like, Fifty million, absolutely, and they have two interesting events, and you know that are really intriguing. Uh, one of them is called convict poker. Yep, and it, explain what that that's is. That's where they the convicts sit at a table, with, um, like they're <laughs> playing poker, and they let a bull out, and the bull comes in, and basically, um, whoever's sitting last and, and doesn't get up and run or get hurt or whatever wins the the. Uh, 
the the, the, the money. money. Yeah, and and look, it is like crazy, y'all. I mean, yeah. there's a freaking bull in there. Uh, bigger than Texas, yeah. and there's inmates sitting around a table and they can't move. When, when, <laughs> when Jim talks about the contract bringing the cattle in, this professional, like PBR, Professional Bull Riding Association, bulls have been yeah. in for this. That's right. Uh, and the um, so back in when I was a kid, now I'm sure it's changed now because of the federal regulations, et cetera. But I remember my dad telling me about they. The convicts loved to participate in this rodeo, and they didn't care if they got hurt or not, which is what made it such a great spectacle. Yeah. Because if they got hurt, then they got to lay up in the infirmary with air conditioner in a, <laughs> right. in a soft bed, whatever, for a few weeks out of their you know life sentence. Right? Yeah, and look, while we're, while we're on that subject, since you brought that up, because we you know we're raw and unscripted sometimes, right. but uh, you you may be surprised to know that. Uh, especially in Angola where you work in the fields all the time, you're all the time out in the heat in the summer in South Louisiana. Uh, These guys would intentionally hurt themselves sometimes just to get out of work. I mean, like that was a a free week in the infirmary if they intentionally busted their ankle up. There's a a charge on their books now. It's called malingering. If you you get caught uh, either faking an illness or hurting yourself, to get out of work, you can be arrested for it. Yeah. So uh, another event that they put on that's pretty cool is called Guts and Glory. Yeah. Uh, they actually take a card and they gl- they tape it or glue it or however they put it on the bull's head. On his forehead, right? It's yeah. Horns. yeah. <laughs> and the whole goal of that is the convict has to pull the card off. Whoever can get stupid enough to get close enough, yeah. however they do it, whoever gets the card, it gets 500 Five hundred bucks, yeah. which is like five million yeah, exactly. to you know free yeah. people. It, it, you know it, 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 that rodeo is so huge, y'all, and the people there will be cars lined up for miles to get checked and everything. But at its peak during Kane's t- tenure, the rodeo was grossing over four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day. A day. Do that times four in uh, in October and well times eight because it's two I'm sorry, two, I'm sorry. two days yeah. uh, each and, weekend. Uh, so you're right. So it's a lot millions. Of money. millions. And a lot of that would uh, would go towards the um, into the general inmate fund for indigents or to projects to you know improve different things for them, stuff like that. That's right. And and uh, it, what you know, Burl Kane's big thing was hey. This is money that we're generating that now taxpayers don't have exactly. to generate. We've, exactly. we've told you all this since the beginning of Bloody Angola that uh, one of the issues with running a prison, especially at Warden Kane's level, was nobody wants to pay for nobody prisoners. Pay for you know, your your state government has and your legislators have to justify to people why money is being put out for convicts. Right. Uh, it's just human nature. We don't want to have to pay for right. somebody that breaks the law and right. why. But this is one of the ways that Warden Kane was able to generate that money without having to go to the public. Because, look, everything from what Woody just mentioned to pay raises. I mean, all those things can be generated from extra events like the rodeo. It also helped control the convicts, Mm. meaning that um, to make trustee, you had to be there for 10 years, right, Uh, to participate in the rodeo is the same thing. You had to be trustee level uh, or, or above, and all year long they they look for to 
the rodeo, and they know if they get in trouble, they're not going to get to participate in the rodeo. That's exactly right. And what a successful event, probably out of out of everything Warden Kane did from a fundraising standpoint. Yeah, fundraising. The most successful right. program right. he ever had uh, yeah. while he was there, and it's continued yeah. on to this day. Because yeah, we're going to tell you some uh, stories another day about – um, what they call prison enterprises, and that's how everything they grow there from vegetables to actually they milk there and they package the milk and it goes to all the state prison underneath prison enterprises in little cartons, and that's what they drink with their meals. So, I mean, he's done a shit ton of other things too with this, but for Angola itself and to be divided up and into give these people incentive to behave and all that. Uh. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Genius. Genius. Genius idea. Being a genius. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're going to give you a little, a little bit of backstory here on this next thing because it it needs to be mentioned and then it needs to be mentioned what occurred with it. Uh, it, On January 1st of 2016, Warden Kane resigned his position at Angola. Now, there was some controversy related to this resignation that, uh, Regarded really some real estate dealings in which the government, they felt it was maybe unethical, you know, that that uh, there were some issues there and an incident in particular with the Angola Radio, which we just talked about where a longtime vendor, he basically was supplying livestock to the radio. He had done this for a long time. Well, he accused Warden Kane of trying to shake him down. He insisted donations at the radio uh, donations to the radio to get that livestock contract. Then when the vendor 
said, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, Warden Kane changes the livestock specifications and which basically reopened it up for bid. And uh, this guy's accusation was that uh, that was payback for not wanting to donate this money. Yeah. So it's important to note. All right. I want I'm noting this right here. They did an exhaustive investigation right. on this. Every everything from local government to state government, and then news media and everybody yeah. else. Yeah, he was exonerated from any wrongdoing. That's right. the bottom line. So, regardless of anybody's opinion on that, now I do want to play a short clip right here. And this was Warden Kane uh, shortly after he announced his retirement. Uh, going on Channel Two News, which is a local news company. Hey, you gotta love the way he talks. Right? Oh God, He's yeah, such a character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're gonna hear that right here. Surprise! Many in Louisiana and around the country. Boss Burl is retiring. Burl Kane, the longtime warden in Angola, is leaving the farm at the end of the year, and Warden Kane joins us this morning. Great to see you. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Uh, why retiring? Why now? Well, <laughs> why now brings up a whole other subject. I mean, I kind of got a. We kind of got into a bind here with the election and so forth. So there's a lot of dynamics to it. And we'll go into that on your other program. Uh-huh. But there were some reports in the newspaper about, uh, you know, possible deals or shady deals with real estate deals involving maybe someone with connection to inmates. Did that have anything to do with your decision? No, that, that, that didn't really because uh, it was more to do with the election and so forth because Representative Havard thought I got somebody else in the race. And it got a lot of dynamics going there. And so... He was real upset and got me to call him to try to get him out. And and uh, it, call, it that started a wheel rolling. And I think then some of that even came to the paper. Probably got some information from there, and then it started going. Everything in the paper was seven years old and older. Nothing was criminal. I've been looked at forever. Everybody in the world investigated us, and so we're still there. But, uh, no, there was no problem with all that. It's just that it keeps on coming and coming and coming, so it causes... You know, you want it to stop. So if it means you need to leave to stop, you stop. But uh, it just kept going. I know you wanted to set the record straight. So given those reports, given what has happened, uh, have you done anything illegal or unethical? No. If I had, I wouldn't be sitting here with you. And I would be I would be in real trouble. I'm not in trouble at all. And uh, it's like I say, I mean, it started with that with me calling the man to try to get him out of the race, and I couldn't get him out of the race. And so then Representative Havard was real angry about that and antagonized. And, and it goes back to his family because they used to have the rodeo contract at Angola, and I changed the specs, and they lost that. And that was the Klein brother. That's his, that's his, he's their son-in-law. So that, and then that guy going, sure. so he was angry. That's how politics is. And then you get, it, get the momentum going, the paper picks up. And uh, here we go. So we got on a whirlwind. Burl, are you concerned that there may be some sort of federal investigation that could come from this? Well, it couldn't be because uh, because this is a rule. He's accusing me of breaking a rule. And uh, the rule was seven years ago, and I didn't break the rule. It's a non-professional relationship. It was very professional, transparent, and in the courthouse. So, you know, recorded. So there was nothing wrong. And plus, the inmates they're talking about had been gone from Angola for two years in nine months. wasn't even at the prison, so mm-hmm. it didn't even count. You've been warden since 1995. Looking back on your tenure at Angola, biggest accomplishment? Seminary. Biggest accomplishment is bringing God to the prison and the inmates changing morally because our legacy is going to be bricks and mortar. It's not bricks and mortar. It's going to be watching the hearts of those men. And like today, there's, a, there's two legislators from Michigan there and two people from the governor's office, and we're going to be, they're going to do the seminary in Michigan. 
and it's in Texas, it's in other states. Yesterday, I was in uh, Florida at a justice summit talking about what we did in Angola. So everybody all over the country liked what we did, very popular doing it, so uh, this is a good time, I guess, to leave, but we're on top of the world when it comes to corrections. Secretary LeBlanc done a great job, and uh, I just hope they don't keep on, you know, banning him because it's not fair. He's a good secretary, and he needs to be there. Something else that you've done that we've worked with you on is uh, building prison chapels. I think you said you worked on, like, eight different projects at prison. We raised the money for nine, cha eight chapels, and uh, we also did research on the seminary. We proved it worked. We're going to have that data. There's a book coming out that, in July. How does that make a difference? What you do is moral, moral rehabilitation. We, it, criminals take, 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 and you got to teach them to give. You teach them skills and trades. You don't put morality in them. You just made a smarter criminal. So we realize that it's pretty simple, but nobody thinks of that. So then the moral component comes from the seminary. We don't care what religion. We're just looking for the for the morality. So moral rehabilitation. So what's next for Boss Burrow? Oh, I have no idea. You know, it's like I say, I'm gonna be a cat and hit on my feet, but. You know, I don't know. I'm gonna get. I've got. I got some things I got to do. You know. And you got to write a book. You really well, need to write a book. Well, I hope so. I hope it sell. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Now, uh, so Warden Kane, as you heard in that clip, his reasonings for retiring and moving on. And look, this is a guy that ran right. the largest right. uh, prison in the United States, and and, and could have run the Department of Corrections uh, for the whole state of Louisiana. But yeah. He chose not to. He, he was focused. He was committed to Angola. He did it. And like all good things, his his time came to an end, and you can't blame him. Uh, uh, I think he it was a combination of things, the, you know, the investigation – and him being sickened by that, basically, and 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 he just thought it was time to move on. Yeah, and but, but it didn't make him any less desirable. No, I mean, absolutely. He's not. still healthy. He still wants to work out. You never met a guy that work like this dude can can work. Yeah, and and you know you you mentioned that one thing that I I really respect about Warden Kane was his his. Longtime friend, a guy that used to be a subordinate of his, was actually the one running the Louisiana prisons at that uh, time. And uh, Warren Kane thought he's doing a, yes, yeah. and Warren Kane thought he's doing a pretty darn good job. Right? Why do I want to take over that? He's right. doing fine. Right. Uh, so he never even approached it, and it was interesting because Jimmy LeBlanc went from being his subordinate right. to being his boss. Exactly. Essentially, uh, over that time period, but I don't think they ever looked at it that nah, way. Nah, it I, was, I can assure you, <laughs> Jimmy LeBlanc always had the respect for Burl Kane, absolutely. But you know, when you, Woody, when you, when you're a stud like that and you've ran prisons for so long, it's like Tom Brady retiring, yeah, and they still got people wanting to come. That's right, season, right? All the other states are like, hmm, free agent, right. free agent, and we need help over here in our prisons. and Right, and 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 one of the most infamous prisons besides Bloody Angola was Parchman in yep. Mississippi. Yeah, and you talk about same type thing, the farm life and the the, the history and everything else. And we'll tell some stories about it in, in a day. Yeah, but that's just one part of the Mississippi prison system, and and so. Probably, uh, it, definitely at the time, at that time of Warden Kane's retirement, uh, was definitely probably leading the nation in issues with right. prisons, was yeah. Mississippi. Yeah. So what does Mississippi do? They're like, hmm, well, let's get Tom Brady out of retirement. Right? <laughs> let's get exactly Burl right. Kane. And, and not only to come in and run, run one prison, 
but to do what he did at Angola on a massive scale throughout their prison system. So on January of uh, 2021, Warden Kane again joined the Department of Corrections, but this time it was not in the state of Louisiana, but the state of Mississippi, but as commissioner overseeing the entire state, which has had a huge, huge uh, troubled history in corrections. Yeah, and uh, they needed him. Yeah. They needed him, and he answered the call. And here's the interesting thing. So when Kane was appointed, and the governor appoints a commissioner right. of prisons, right? Yeah. So this right. is over the entire system. This isn't just over one prison. Yeah, all the prisons. Yeah, so when Kane was appointed, uh, some criticized Mississippi Governor Reeves right. for the decision considering the allegations yeah. that, well, you know, I told you about earlier – and some believe that that was the reason he left as warden of Angola. So the governor had something to say about that. And he said, I'm going to quote him here. The search committee was aware of the accusations. I personally was aware of the ac- accusations. And we did extensive research. Here's the key. Once the politics were removed, the allegations and accusations were basically dropped. I have full confidence in Burl Kane's ability to change the culture at the Mississippi Department of Corrections. I have absolute confidence that he will do do so in a way that will make all Mississippians proud. And I have zero reservations in appointing him as the commissioner of the Department of Corrections. You can't ask for a better slap on the back I, I, than that. Absolutely uh, correct. And look, the we're going to do a uh, Patreon bonus episode with, with me, you, and, and Kelly Jennings from yep. the Unspe- Unspeakable Podcast because she and I both worked for Burl Kane before. Yep. And it, I'll tell you, what, they, he was. this is just only what got reported. He was under fire his entire career by the haters that said he did this and did that, and it was never proven. We'll, we'll put that up. Part that Just be part of the patron bonus episode, which we're going to drop for y'all. But um, – well, and let me let me say this before you go on. Here's the thing, and I know a lot of people listening can relate to this. So anytime you're good at anything in life, yeah. you're going to have haters. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're going to have people that are jealous. You're going to have people that want to be where you are. Especially when you're in the public eye. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to try to tear you down rather yeah. than build you up. And, and that's happened. And it happens in everything from special sports to us as podcasts. That's it. And, 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 and you know, y'all never hear those stories either because they're not worth mentioning. They're not worth mentioning. Yeah. But it, it is it is a part of life. And to be able to handle that the way he did over all of those years in Louisiana, to me, was, was really impressive. Right. So, so I wanted to make that point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what happens? Warden Kane is now the warden or the boss man over all yeah. Mississippi prisons, state prisons. And guaranteed the convicts heard about it. Oh, yeah, they knew he was coming. <laughs> well, you know, well, I, I think a lot of them would have been happy, right? Yeah. And, and finally, like, holy shit, we're going to not have maggots in our food and not be getting raped and killed every night and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? So um, what's Burl Kane do? That's hard to improve on – almost perfection, right? He improved himself over the years at Angola from the first execution and how he improved those afterwards because yeah. it bothered him. He's, a, he's like us in the podcast world. Everything, you know, we, we make mistakes, right? Yeah. But we, we strive to get them, better. Learn from them, strive to get better. So he did the same thing. He brought his game plan and 
uh, his mission number one, Kane said, was to get staffing up to speed. So he immediately uh, went to every prison across the state to do that. And another key piece of Kane's strategy is the faith-based building a new chapel inside the prison walls. And y'all, we played y'all that clip earlier. Um, that whatever that show is, we'll put it in the show notes yeah. about how he turned Angola around, basically with the faith base. Um, but Kane said uh, he said this regarding an escape of two convicts shortly after he took over Mississippi <laughs> and his mission to alleviate gangs, which is a huge problem in Mississippi prisons. But and I mean. He okay. So in Louisiana, let me digress for a second. The Louisiana, the way back when I got asked about it when I was in college, and I, I had already been a correctional officer. Yeah. And it was a corrections class, and I'm like, I told the professor after class that this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And the Burl Kane had been my warden, and but it, they, the textbook said that the uh, prison gangs were everything, and then they were in other prisons, but not in at DCI where Burl Kane was because yeah. they classified when you came in. If you were bloody, you were crip, they didn't even put you together on the same yards. They, they stripped it. I mean, they took pictures of your photographs. He was very focused on that when the gangs were first coming relevant. So they, he did it in Mississippi too, right? That's right. He did and recognized the issue. And look, in, in Angola, or really in the Louisiana prison system, gangs became non-existent, primarily uh, off of his uh, belief that once you separate those leaders, uh, the problem ceased to exist. Well, these two convicts, they escape uh, shortly after he takes over in Mississippi, and he was commenting on that after they were caught. And he says, well, there's two of them in a car that ought to be sleeping tonight in Colorado. There's another one going to be on a car in about four days. It's going to be in a Florence prison where El Chapo is in Colorado. Now, we are referencing Supermax. So if they want to keep being gang leaders, they can do it from a distance Mm -hmm. because they ain't going to do it here. So chop the head off the snake. Right. Right. That's classic Burl Kane. What they going to (laughs) do? That's crazy. Meanwhile, we're going to have all these moral programs and so forth where you can do good with our reentry program and so forth. Anyway, we don't even want to admit that we have much of a game problem. There's one more place that we're going to be working really hard on, and that is uh, we've got to do some serious investigation. But we know it, and we know where they are, and the gang members are identified. We've had 6,500 and a few now. Now we have only a few, 2,400 or so, because people are getting out of the gangs and we're enabling them to do it. Right. Another thing that he did that was really special in Mississippi when he took over was he encouraged letters from the inmate. Mm -hmm. Whether they were asking for help or for airing grievances, he said he responded to each one of them uh, with handwritten notes. Thousands so far. Genius. So... He was also asked, what about the deplorable conditions? Look, Mississippi was like Angola, you know, back in the day, even up till today. And he said, they're not there. They're gone. Uh, With with Kane's history of cleaning up prisons, Woody and I don't doubt that. Not for a second. uh, I know. I mean, he just lives to do it. right? Yeah. And and here he is now. He's he's 80 plus years old. Yeah. 
Still oh, running still that prison, running, baby. Yeah, the, guy. the whole system. Yeah. Hey, so this weekend, real quick, I'm going to add this in. Uh, um, I was talking to, when I went down the road to go fishing, one of the guys has a camp across from my buddy's camp. Is, uh used to work for uh, Justin Parrish Sheriff's Office. Yeah. And I was telling uh I was asking about the Greyhound prison. Yeah. Because he was there. Boots yeah. on the ground after Katrina. And he said, I told him about Burl Kane saying, the front doors on the the news saying the front doors unlocked. You ain't worried about them escaping. He was like, I got a machine gun right here. I got a shotgun right here. Let them come out if they want to. He said, right. He said, you have no idea. He said, Burl came ran that place. Come on. He said, we used to bring them in to book them. And there was no doubt that if, if they did anything, they were going to kill them. Yeah. 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 He was serious business. And, yeah. You know, I had a friend that I was actually talking to yesterday that had he owns a security company and uh, they do. I'm talking mass security, you know, AI cameras and things like this. And they primarily focus on prisons and schools and these big projects. And he met with Burl Kane. He's met with him several times. But he told me when I said, man, you got any funny stories or anything? And he said, well, uh, the first time I met with him, he asked me a question. And I said, well, what was the question? He said, he asked me if I was a pig or if I was a hog. And I said, what should I be? And he said, well, you always want to be the hog because pigs get slaughtered. <laughs> pigs, pigs get slaughtered. This is what, and you just remind me that. Pigs get slaughtered. Hogs get fat. Yes. Right? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, yeah. And that that is who. So I asked him, I said, well, describe to me kind of his, his – uh, you know, what did you think when you met him? And he said, man, he's, he is one of those people that he he walks in a room. He is not what you – if you've never seen Burl Kane, he is not what you think physically. Absolutely. Physically, he's not. Yeah. Um, but within about 30 seconds, you know who's yeah, in charge. You know he's in, he's in <laughs> charge, and he's going to show you – but he's he just gets on everyone's level. Yeah. Like, even though he's in charge, he, he gives you your He's respect. real. He's like – it trust is this people think this is backwards, but it's not. Trust is given, it's not earned, right? He's gonna give you that trust. Yeah. And, and he's gonna trust that you can go out there and do that job. And if you screw it up, then you screw it up, right? That's right. And so as any good leader should. So but it was a great story. Jimmy did a phenomenal job. One of uh, my favorite, um, and I'm sure you too, one of my you know, there's two series of Three series really that stick out to me, but two that we've recorded, and that is the Brent Miller story, yes, yeah, um, and this one. Yep, these definitely. these two series is for me. I have absolutely enjoyed. Uh, I you in what, learning about this I man. I don't believe it's outside of the realm of possibility that one day we'll get to have him. No, and and I'm you know you're on the same wavelength as me because I know, I know for crazy. a fact. There are people listening right, right now that that have his ear. Yeah, absolutely. And so he's uh, telling me he's got a mad respect. And we, yeah, we never throw any shade. And, and that's we right. Hope we did him uh, an iota of justice to to the man and the legend that he is, because um, he'll always have my respect. Yeah, and and uh, have him reach out to us. Just shoot us a message on Facebook, or or you can if you want to set something up because we'd love to sit him down and let hey, him just hey, kind of tell we'll some go, of his. We'll stories. go to Mississippi. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah, go to Mississippi. We'll do whatever he needs us to do. But we'd love to talk to Warden Kane and uh, and just let him tell some of his story and be Warden Kane, right? You know, and yeah. let these people fig- right. see this man for who he is. And get to hear him and and, and 
feel that's right that's right that'd be fire so we appreciate all y'all listening yeah, and our patreon members you, oh we're going to time. drop uh, an addition to this to burl kane to from two people who have worked for him directly which is myself and kelly jennings who has the um unspeakable podcast y'all go check that out and jim chapman is going to do what he does and uh, is the research and guide the conversation so patreon members you're that's coming if you want to be a patreon member and you're not um that's our subscribers y'all and and we have different levels and tiers of it but you can go to patreon.com bloody and gold podcast i believe it is just type in bloody and gold podcast or or a patreon and it'll pull it up but y'all y'all absolutely make the show run and we thank you if you um love and appreciate y'all if you can't afford to be one a patron member we get that too and we love and appreciate y'all also and let me say this on that on that episode you know what he mentioned kelly i she's kind of like a third host for us anytime we need kelly jennings kelly jennings always is always there for us and as known, you know, she's kind of getting a little moniker as the female Woody Everton. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and she really is. Which they're, is, they're, which they're, is a huge compliment for me. If, if Woody was I prettier, just, he would yeah. be. <laughs> he would be Kelly. She's a, she is a, definitely a pistol, and 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 I can't wait to see where she's going. So, yeah, check that out too. Unspeakable, a true crime podcast by Kelly. Yeah, Jones. hey, I've actually been on our podcast yep. too. So, um, there's an episode with me on it. That, uh, yeah, go uh, check that out for sure. Chapman produced. Yeah, so. that's right. Um, so that'll be coming to you next week. So look for that patron members only. So if you if you want to hear that interview with uh, Woody and and Kelly Jennings, uh, join the patron. Right. Uh, also want to mention that uh, we got some exciting stuff coming up in the future. I actually came across, and, and Woody's probably uh, getting sick of me texting him, but I have, y'all, the uh, Angolites from the 50s and 60s. And right. the Angolite, for those of you that have heard of us talk about that, that's a prison magazine. But the special thing about the 50s and 60s is that when it was mostly unedited, meaning that uh, they didn't hold back on what they said as much as they may do nowadays. Nowadays, it, it probably gets vetted by 50 people in the correctional system. Back then, it did not. Um, I have those and we're going to do some episodes where we actually cover those Angolites and y'all are going to absolutely right. love it. Yeah. And look, Woody Everton's and, grandfather yeah, all over yeah, some of those Angolites. Absolutely. And, and this is really the Angolite, the magazine before it started really kind of getting censored. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, they got some crazy shit. Oh yeah, they do. And it, you know, it's funny. We did an episode, uh, that I know y'all loved. It got a ton of play. It was called old wooden ears. And uh, he was the editor back in those days. So it's it's really special, really cool. We're going to be bringing you that. We're going to be bringing you all kinds of, of course, the stories that you're used to from Angola. But we really appreciate all of y'all listening, all of your support. Patron yes. members, we could not do any of this without all of you, of course. Look, Real Life Real Crime Daily and Real Life Real Crime, which is are the other podcasts that we're involved with, uh, are both just absolutely on fire as well. And I know there's there's maybe some people on here that haven't had the opportunity to partake in those podcasts. Yeah, so yeah, check those check out, out if not. Uh, and if you know someone that listens to Real Life Real Crime Daily and Real Life Real Crime may not yeah. have partaken in Bloody Angola, please encourage that. 
sharing is uh you know it's we say it all the time sharing is caring but it really is we can't grow without people people telling it's 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 how it works and and we're hey we've grown phenomenally phenomenally and and only because y'all keep telling other people and liking and sharing and we appreciate y'all that's right so we appreciate that and until next time i'm jim chapman and i'm woody overton your host of bloody angola a podcast 142 years in the making the complete story of america's bloodiest prisons peace Straight line, shackle and chain. Oh, gruesome Gertie is calling my name. There is no mercy in this penitentiary. Just ask the Hill String Gang, Wrangle Three. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.